0: no knowledge to have been visited by the lord faith was always intended to grow into knowledge knowledge comes from contact with jesus christ see ether 1 paragraph 14 this is the knowledge that saves and nothing else see john 9 paragraph 18 the idea that knowledge of christ through his personal appearance to each person, is now unavailable as an old sectarian notion and is false. See John 9, paragraph 8. Knowing God is Christ's definition of eternal life and salvation. Joseph Smith clarified this does not mean to learn something about him. Rather, it is to meet him. It is to have him minister to you, face to face, as one man speaks to another. Since this is life eternal, to know Him, would it be a simple and plain, but most precious teaching to urge people to part the veil of unbelief and behold their Lord? See John 9, paragraph 18. Know the Lord. As foreseen by Jeremiah, this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel, After those days, says the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts, and write it in their hearts, and will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them unto the greatest of them, says the Lord, Jeremiah 12, paragraph 9. Getting to know the Lord is the definition of salvation. See John 9, Paragraph 19. All are invited to come to know the Lord, see His face, and know that He is. It shall come to pass that every soul who forsakes their sins, and comes unto me, and calls on my name, and obeys my voice, and keeps all my commandments, shall see my face and know that I am, and that I am the true light that lights every man who comes into the world, and that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, and the Father and I are one, TNC 93, paragraph 1. Can you imagine how different it would be if we were all able to say we know for ourselves, nothing doubting, our Lord? Can you imagine how all the problems we now face would evaporate overnight if our quest was to grow from grace to grace until we too receive of the Father's fullness? TNC 93, Paragraph 7 Most of what now afflicts us would become trivial, left behind as we grow in light and truth. TNC 36, Paragraphs 4-5 to five. To know the Lord is to have a covenant with Him. All must come to know the Lord. The only way is to comprehend the gospel of Christ, accept the invitation, prepare one's heart, mind, soul, and clean up, leaving behind sins, and come to face the Lord. The Lord intends for all to return to Him, not in some future reunion following death, but here in mortality. He wants all to know Him. Lake of Fire and Brimstone Upon being judged, they go into the place prepared for them, 2 Nephi 12, paragraph 4. This place is for those who are grasped with death and hell, and is called a lake of fire and brimstone, a lake, because it engulfs them so tightly they are flooded with the guilt. Fire, because it is designed to purge and refine. Brimstone, because of the bitterness of the experience. The torment there is endless, meaning from God, see TNC 4, paragraphs 1 to 4. This purging does not confer blessings, but merely balances out the claims of justice for those who would not accept mercy. See TNC 4, Paragraph 5. Law of Christ The Law of Christ is found in the Sermon on the Mount, see Matthew 3. Christ gave many commandments, precepts, and teachings. He also gave a law. The greatest instruction that I know to have been given by God at any time, to any generation, is a rule of community found in the Sermon on the Mount and in the Sermon at Bountiful. See Matthew 3 and 3 Nephi chapters 5 and 6. This is how you and I should practice Christianity. Early Christians were very diverse, but they agreed on two things, Christ's doctrine and Christ's law. Once Christians have these two essential teachings in common, they can have differences on other issues, just like the early Christians. See also the glossary entry, Doctrine of Christ. Law of Moses When the children of Israel refused to live a higher law, they were given the Law of Moses. This law, in a general view, consisted of a collection of commandments, statutes, performances, rituals sacrifices and ceremonies the law of moses was added and then fulfilled it was added when the dispensation intended to be delivered through moses was rejected by israel ctnc 82 paragraphs 12 to 13 much like what happened with the early saints in joseph smith's time the dispensation the Lord wanted to hand them, the saints of Joseph's time, was not received either, see TNC 141, paragraph 10, so something less was added. The saints of this day get to partake in what they were willing to receive, but they were not willing to receive what they might have been given, see TNC 86, paragraph 4. The ordinances are eternal. They do not and cannot change. When changed, the covenant is broken. God cannot and does not change His word. When men change it, they break the covenant and have no promise. See Isaiah 7, paragraph 1. The addition of outward observances in the law of Moses was fulfilled in Christ's coming and sacrifice. Then, having been fulfilled... They were no longer necessary to observe, see third Nephi five, paragraphs twenty two to twenty three. When they were being observed, however, they did not change. From Moses to John, they were unchanged. King Benjamin explained something which ought to give everyone pause, yet the Lord God saw that his people were a stiff necked people, and he appointed unto them a law, even the law of Moses, Mosiah one. Paragraph 16. The people who God claimed as his were stiff-necked people. He didn't abandon them because of their spiritual stubbornness, nor did he reject them because they were suffering from their own pride and self-will. They were still his. But because they were unable or unwilling to really come to him and be redeemed from the fall, he gave them something to trouble them, the law of Moses. This set of rules, sacrifices, ordinances, and observances included worship within a temple or house of God. There, in rich symbolism, they were reminded about the real thing, His presence. They were taught about His real nature. They were shown symbols that foreshadowed His coming into the world to be the bread of life, the light of the world, the sacrifice for sin, and the one through whose blood it was possible to enter back into the holy of holies. They had symbolic clothing, sacred language, divine ritual, and sacred space given them. All this because they were stiff-necked people who were unwilling to enter into his actual presence. These benighted and proud people then looked at all others and regarded them as less than the chosen people because the law of Moses given to them entrusted them with sacred space, sacred ritual, and sacred observances. These stiff-necked people made the law of Moses an end in itself. It was their special set of rites, their sacred space, their hidden rituals, participated in by only the worthy and chosen few that reassured them they were God's chosen people. And they were chosen. But they were chosen to be an example of foolishness, an example of pride, and ultimately, an example of those who reject God and kill His Son. They were chosen to show how to miss the mark while standing atop sacred ground dedicated to the god they claimed to worship. They were chosen to be foolish so that others in later times might be wise. They were chosen precisely because of their stiff necks to show how God does not delight in the mere observances of outward rituals but expects our hearts to be made righteous. They illustrate how God rebuked the ancient chosen people for their failure to follow him in the heart, rather than just in their empty ordinances, see First Samuel 7, paragraph 9. The focus of the law of Moses was ritual purity, but Christ replaced that earlier ritual-based purity with internal purity. Christ fulfilled all the law, not merely the law of Moses, which indeed pointed to him, see Galatians 1, paragraph 11, but also every part of the gospel from Adam to Christ's earthly ministry. See Jacob 3, paragraph 1 and 5, paragraph 2. All have testified of him, and he has completed his ministry in strict conformity with all that was foreshadowed, all that was prophesied, all that was anticipated of him. Just how completely he did this is not possible to understand with the current state of the scriptures. But he did fulfill all righteousness, complete every assignment, accomplish every task, and live in conformity with every prophecy concerning him. Aaronic priesthood is a fairly durable kind of priesthood. It was what was involved in all kinds of rites and performances under the law of Moses, which were pretty easy to run afoul of and wind up in a state of uncleanliness or ceremonial condemnation, causing one to need renewal. Even the high priest would become unclean and have to renew. And all had to go through the Day of Atonement ceremonies. They had to purge from top to bottom. Everyone was expected to purge with some regularity. Even a woman's regular monthly cycle resulted in ceremonial uncleanliness requiring renewal. Childbirth was considered something that required a sacrifice and a ceremonial cleansing. Every time one turned around under the law of Moses, they had become unclean and had to fetch another animal, run up to the temple, offer sacrifice, and undo the ceremonial uncleanliness. The purpose of the Aaronic priesthood ministry was to bring one under condemnation regularly. Aaronic priesthood is pretty durable, precisely because of its functionality. When the Lord's people wanted religion but were unwilling to accept the fullness, he accommodated their desire and gave to them the law of Moses to keep them busy. See Mosiah 1, paragraph 16. It is the nature of stiff people that they prefer religious ceremonies and endless repetition of rituals to coming into the Lord's presence. King Benjamin was reminded by the angel that the purpose of the law of Moses was not to redeem anyone. It was merely a way to keep the people busy. In addition to the law of Moses, the Lord gave signs and wonders and many types and shadows to acquaint the people with the fact of his coming, Mosiah 1, paragraph 16. These were not ends. They were all means. Why give the law of Moses? Why give signs and wonders? The people confused the symbols with the real thing. Because of the symbols, they thought they were chosen, elect, and holy. They thought they were a kingdom of priests, a royal priesthood. Instead, what they should have thought was that they were poor because the Lord was not dwelling among them. They considered themselves rich because they had types and shadows. They preferred the symbol to the reality. The true religion was only symbolized by the rites. By worshipping the symbols and not recognizing the truths which were their foundation, they became mere idolaters. It is one of the constant risks faced by God's people because the devil is always looking to convert the holy church of God into something perverted and evil. See Mormon 4, paragraph 5. They could rejoice in their laws, rites, ordinances, and rituals. They could consider themselves better than the nations around them because they had God's program for salvation. All the program did was harden their hearts because they became proud rather than humble. These religious and proud people did not understand that all their endless rites avail of nothing because it was the Lord alone who could redeem them. See Mosiah 1, paragraph 16. They took their eyes off the Lord and put them on the religion. They did not understand the religion was nothing if it failed to point them to the Lord. How oft might the Lord have gathered them, indeed? It is astonishing that men would prefer religion to God. That they would prefer pride, which alienates them from God, to humility, which could bring them into His presence. Signs, wonders, types, and shadows are nothing if they fail to get mankind to look at the underlying reasons for them. They are not the real thing. They merely point to the real thing. For that, it is left between each individual and the Lord. Some few will see it as it really is. They will not be limited by the failures of the generation they live in. They can be saved in any generation because they see beyond the Lord and His types, shadows, signs, and wonders. See Alma 9, paragraph 3. The law of Moses was fulfilled and will not return. Christ introduced the concept that the law of Moses is now fulfilled. Importantly, he says, and me are all fulfilled, 3 Nephi 5, paragraph 31. When he walked on the road to Emmaus on the day of his resurrection, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself, Luke 14, paragraph 3. The rites and temple of the dispensation of Moses testify to the details of his life. It ought to be noted that the things under the law in Christ were indeed all fulfilled. His life was foreshadowed by the rites of Moses. His healing, his ministry, his history, and his sacrifice all were foreshadowed by the law of Moses. Since the law pointed to him, and he came to live his mortal life in conformity with that law... It was now completed. The signpost was no longer necessary. The event had happened. When he says, Old things are done away, it is not because they are terminated, it is because they were fulfilled. He completed the circle. He lived and died under the law, fulfilling every jot and tittle of its requirements. Now it was time to push the meaning of the earlier law deeper into the souls of his audience. All things have become new. It was a new beginning, a new dispensation, a new message. The message was delivered by the author of the Law of Moses, not through an intermediary. The message came from the author in person. Liberally When the brother of Jared tried to solve the problem of interior lighting in eight barges, the Lord's answer had very little to do with the lighting problem, see Ether 1, paragraph 11. The Lord's answer redeemed this prophet from the fall, and the Lord ministered unto him, which would have included a great deal more than solving lighting issues. See Ether 1, paragraphs 13 and 14, this is what liberally means. Revelations from the Lord go well beyond the question asked. Oftentimes, the issue that brings a prophet before God has nothing to do with the Lord's answer. The highly local question, which church to join, how to light a barge, where to hunt food, why some ancients had plural wives, what repentance is required, etc., is largely irrelevant to readers of Scripture. The liberally given answers address matters of universal concern, apostasy, and restoration. Priesthood restoration to Joseph. The fullness of God's revelations to mankind, including from the beginning to the end. Calling and election. Sealing authority. Visions of eternity, etc. It is the liberally given material which shows what the Lord really intends to bestow on mankind light comprehension of the doctrine of christ is not based on command of a vocabulary or mastery of an argument it is instead based on gathering light light is gathered by heed obedience and diligence alone by following the light one has already received one grows in light ctnc 36 paragraph 4. this process leads to the perfect day where the light has chased away all darkness. This is how men and women, like Christ, can grow from grace to grace until they receive a fullness, also, see TNC 93, paragraph 7. If one is unwilling to do this, then he may acquire a vocabulary with which to discuss the subject, but he will not have the light to comprehend it. Light can be shining all around a person— but if he does not acquire light within himself by his actions, he cannot comprehend the light. See Joseph Smith History Part 13, Paragraph 11 and 11, Paragraph 20, TNC 17, Paragraph 1, Section 23, Paragraph 1, Section 31, Paragraph 2, and Section 86, Paragraph 8. If obtaining or gathering light perplexes you, then ask God for understanding. He will tell you what to do. Follow His instruction. In this way you qualify to receive further light and knowledge by conversing with the Lord. He knows perfectly what you lack, and by the Holy Ghost within you will tell you what you must do. If you will not humble yourself and ask for this to be made known to you, then you cannot be brought into the light. Then the only result will be to perish in the dark. If you will follow the steps with the required real intent, acting no deception before God as you do, then you will receive the Holy Ghost. It will be unlocked to tell you what you lack and what you need to do. This inner light is a powerful source which can literally tell you all things what ye should do, 2 Nephi 14, paragraph 1. It is in the doing that you find the learning. It is in the act of following him that you learn to be like him obedience is the means by which you gather light the commandments are revelations of the inner person you ought to become they are how you grow in the flesh to comprehend god in the spirit your body is a veil that keeps you from him by subordinating the will of the flesh to the will of the spirit you gain light and truth do it to understand it once you understand you will be able to tell when someone speaks with the power of the spirit words of eternal life, or if they are, as Nephi puts it, perishing in the dark, Second Nephi 14, paragraph 1. There are many who claim to speak on the Lord's behalf who declare false, vain, and foolish things. While they will be held to account for that, the point is not to condemn them. They may yet see the light and repent and return. The point is that you must avoid being misled by those who would lead you astray. The few humble followers of Christ are warned that they will be taught the precepts of men and must use caution to avoid being misled. Nephi is both pleading and warning in 2 Nephi 12, paragraph 2. He wants you to go to the source and be directed from there. To have the words of Christ available to you. To hear the words of angels as you draw near to the light. If you do not, then it is because you refuse to follow the steps he has described. You must act to know. Without following through in your heart, which you cannot ever deceive, you can't draw near to the light. The discussion in the second comforter walks through line upon line that walk back into the light and ultimately into Christ's presence. It is a modern manual to find him. The cares of this world, coping with Babylon, is all that is needed to keep one from acquiring light. Finding light requires a deliberate effort to notice it and take it in. When men and women are filled with light, the heavens notice. In fact, it is the light within mankind that heaven notices even from afar. See also the glossary entries, heed and diligence. Glory Intelligence TRUTH